welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast for Tuesday, April 21st. If you are hearing this, this might not be the day that you're used to listening to it, but because we need to get Brian Baldinger's interview on Monday afternoon, we decided to give it to you early on Tuesday morning. So as I mentioned, we have Brian Baldinger on the show today from NFL Network. We'll talk a little bit about the draft with him first, but we also speak with Matt Shapiro, who is the vice president of event strategy and integration for the NFL. John DeShazer and I spoke with him about what the NFL is doing in the community during this draft with their draft a lot draft-a-thon, excuse me, and also how they're making this draft important and impactful for those draft selections this year, even though it is a virtual draft. But first things first, let's go ahead and get into our NFL Network interview with Brian Baldinger. Brian, how are you doing today? Well, you know, Carolyn, the good thing about being a film junkie is I practice self-isolation every day. Like my routine hasn't really changed, especially when it's draft time. I mean, we're all trying to find, you know, one guy that somebody's going to call. We want to make sure that we've prepared. Uh, we know something about him. So I, I'm just, I mean, I haven't, I've been spending 12, 14 hours a day just in my film room and, and uh, really haven't had to worry about too much. Although, you know, obviously uh, I am as concerned as anybody out there about, you know, what we're up against here and got my fingers crossed that, uh, you know, we can find some panacea here that can really get us, back on our feet and get us back as you know a global economy here and get started again yeah and it might be a hot take but I'm not uh too against this quarantine life I'm kind of getting used to it here I too am kind of a self-isolation person except for more so on the Netflix train and and sports and basketball than uh watching NFL uh film day in and day out but I see in your Baldi's bunker you have I count five screens. How long did it take to set up? And did you do your own IT work? I, I did. I did <laughs> this. I, well, I didn't do all of it, Carolyn. I, okay. I mean, this thing, I, I do have a film room set up here. I, I have one at NFL Films. I have one in Los Angeles at the network. So, but I did add some things once they shut down. They shut down NFL Films uh, roughly five weeks ago. So uh, since then, I've kind of, you know, been bunkered in here, but I did have to add some things simply because I didn't have every college game and every NFL game that I wanted to look at. So I had to add a couple of components. So I'm, I'm pretty well covered here now. I mean, if you want to, you want to see what, I don't know, Joe Burrow looked like in 2018, I, I can pull out some film of him right now. Yeah, I see you have five screens and you have, it looks like different film on each screen, which is quite impressive. How do you keep up with all of the film that you're watching? And do you ever find yourself kind of going from one game to the next to the next? Or are you just all focused on one player at a time? No, uh, you know, I, I've been talking to some general managers and they're like, you know, for a general manager, you know, in, in New Orleans, Mickey Loomis, the hay is never in the barn, right. the old saying. It just never is. So I'm getting calls from some personnel people about what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? So I'm getting, you know, inundated here with some guys that, you know, I'm, I want to become more familiar with because I know they're watching them and I'm trying to give them some feedback. And then, you know, as, as we all will probably get into here, I mean, it's a very deep wide receiver draft. And so what I have found in talking with coaches over the years, when there's a deep draft and people are kind of juggling who's the best, how, what's the order? What you, what you end up doing is just throwing a different guy on every day and just seeing how he's hitting you. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, every day I've thrown a different receiver on. Um, every day I've thrown a different defensive tackle on. And, and just, you know, watch them for a game, a half a game, just see what jumps out at you, see if they hit you sit different in a different way. And so, you know, sometimes that's, that's on one of the screens. I mean, honestly, one of those screens has just been nothing but wide receivers for five straight weeks. And I'm still not – I still can't really decide how to, how to really rank these guys right now. Yeah, it is a deep wide receiver class, that's for sure, uh, Brian. And I don't know if you were able to speak with any general managers or coaches today, but I know the NFL did do a mock draft today, and I'm, I've seen some tweets about it. Have you heard anything about how that mock draft has gone? I haven't. I, I talked to a couple of general managers last night, and they, they, they were all ready for it. I think they were using real names. I'm not sure if that's true or not true. I mean, hmm. I it, w it wouldn't make any sense to, to tip your hat. I don't think they're tipping their hat. But I think they just wanted to try to iron out as many bugs as possible just from a technology standpoint, um, from a protocol standpoint. I mean, every everything that is so different about the world that we're living in right now. Right. And, and then just to bring up as many different suggestions about, um, you know, whether it's the time clock, you know, whatever it is right now, um, I think, I think that's really what the exercise was all about and to see if there were any bugs, if they could get them fixed now, you know, three days before, I mean, we're three days in County here, Carolyn. So, you know, we're getting really close. So I think that's what this exercise and I, and I, and I, I'd applaud them. I think they should have done that. Some guys are a little bit more technology <laughs> advanced than others. Um, we all know people that aren't that, right. you know, they're still trying to turn the computer on, but, but, you know, these are things that, you know, we hope that once we get to the Thursday night at seven o'clock your time, we, we hope that uh, everything goes pretty smoothly. How many people on this uh, virtual draft do you think are going to forget their password on draft night? <laughs> well, I don't think they're going to forget their password. I mean, <laughs> we all have, we all have uh, done that on yes. a variety of different things right now and we're resetting it. But I think on this particular occasion, uh, it, it may be on a, um, a post-it, you know, right in front of them someplace. Yeah, I would think so, or I would hope so at least. Um, so, Baldy, yesterday you broke down the film on Jordan Love and your coworker Bucky Brooks uh, selected him for the New Orleans Saints at pick number 24. Why oh. and how do you think he fits into the Saints offense, or do you think he fits into the Saints offense? Well, two years ago they were picking number 11, and the Kansas City Chiefs traded up to number 10 to take mm -hmm. a guy named Patrick Mahomes for a reason. Pretty good. And a pretty good pick. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, if you hear some of the whispers out of New Orleans, that's what the guy that Sean Payton really wanted. Mm -hmm. And whether that's true or not, who knows? Uh, it, it doesn't matter. But when you watch Jordan Love, I, you, can, you can pick him apart. You can find bad things. You can find 17 receptions, pick sixes. Find all those things. I talked to his head coach at Utah State yesterday, Matt Wells. And – he really went to bat for him as a um, really a, a film room junkie, as a weight room junkie, just, a, you know, a gym rat, you know, mm -hmm. that's who he is. Uh, leads in a different way than Mahomes. Mahomes is pretty emotional, as we've all seen, pretty inspirational on the sideline, pretty loud. That's not how Jordan Love leads. That, that doesn't, that's not how he leads, but he is a leader. He's not, he may be quiet, but he's not shy. But when you go back and you watch some of his throws, you can't help but think, of watching Patrick Mahomes the last two years. You, you just can't help but think that's kind of how he plays the game. He's a yeah, little he, un, unscripted. He has a, a, just a tremendous arm. 
um, the ball, he flicks it and it goes 50 yards. Um, you know, you could, you know, he needs to be coached. He, what he needs, Carolyn, he needs a year to sit the way Mahomes did in 2017. He, he needs a year to just watch Drew, Drew, you know, or, or two years to really study him and, and really learn and, and not have to be thrown in there. If, if somebody is willing to do that, I don't, I don't want to say anybody's Patrick Mahomes right now because I don't think anybody is. But you could see Bucky Brooks has been doing this a long time. You could see how people could go, man, Sean, Sean could do a lot with a guy like this. Especially if you say he needs a year. I mean, what better year than maybe Drew Brees last year with the Saints under a coach like Sean Payton in a quarterback room with Taysom Hill and Drew Brees? I mean, that seems like a perfect scenario if you go down the path of selecting a quarterback, which leads me into my next question for you, uh, Baldy. What position do you think the Saints go for at number 24? Well, I don't know what Mickey and Sean are really going to do, Caroline. I mean, I could make a case hmm. for a middle linebacker because I think there's some in this draft that are worthy of a first-round pick. I mean, people have talked about Kenneth Murray. Pretty easy guy to watch. Um, you put him in a room. He's an adult. Um, he could learn from a Demarius Davis. Um, he's been a stud there for you. Um, you. You put a guy like that in the middle of a defense like that, he makes your defense faster. Day one, he makes it faster. Your middle linebacker is faster. Your defense is faster. Uh, you can make case for that. You could go right down I-10 to Baton Rouge, and you could find Justin Jefferson. Mm. Uh, he's the best route runner in this draft. I don't have any problem saying that. Is he the best wide receiver? I don't know, but he's the best route runner. Uh, he played. He caught 111 balls last year from Joe Burrow in the slot, but I've seen him play outside. He runs fast enough to play outside. I know they picked up Emmanuel Sanders, and maybe that's his position. Um, but you might become a little bit more dynamic with Justin Jefferson in that offense right now. Uh, it seemed to lack a little punch in their playoff loss to Minnesota. Um, so I can make case that Jordan Love makes a lot of sense. There's some offensive linemen that make some sense. Uh, we saw what happened when Andrews Pete went out. It looked like their depth was pretty challenged. Uh, um, McCoy was a great pick last year, played every, I think every snap last year or started every game. I'm not exactly sure but he was a really good pickup from Texas A&M. So I think you could go in a couple of different directions here at number 24 right now. Oh, I mean, I was muted. Sorry. You might also go, be able to go down I-10 and pick up a guy from LSU named Patrick Queen at the linebacker position. What do you think about that? Well, I don't want to uh, write Patrick Queen off by any stretch. Number, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he was number eight is pretty easy to find. Uh, when Devin White kind of left, he, he took over. That's what happens at LSU. They're just so well-stocked. But he played last year alongside uh, the year before with Devin White. But uh, it's pretty easy to see Patrick Queen, his speed. He's probably a better cover linebacker right now, only because he was asked to do it more than Kenneth Murray. Um, but that doesn't preclude, you know, Kenneth Murray from being able to do that. Um, it, it would make a lot of sense to look at Patrick Queen. I, I think Queen and Murray are both first-round picks. We've seen a lot of Mike linebackers over the last couple of years go in the first round. These guys look like they're those kind of players right now. 
You mentioned Emmanuel Sanders, and obviously the Saints have been looking for someone to be in tandem with Michael Thomas, and hopefully they found that in Emmanuel Sanders. But how important do you think it is for the Saints to pick up a young guy that could maybe, like you said with Jordan Love, learn for a year, maybe be that wide receiver three, learn for a year, go in for a few snaps, make some plays, but ultimately learn from a guy like Michael Thomas, a guy like Emmanuel Sanders? Well, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there were some games – Carolyn, you watch them all. I mean, there's some games where the ball goes to Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and then you go anywhere else. And that's fine. I mean, Michael Thomas will take 140 catches next year. He loves it. Right. Um, you know, he doesn't want to take anything off his plate. But uh, I do think that a younger player uh, in that position right now can make a lot of sense. Emmanuel Sanders is not going to get any younger, although he's still a really dynamic player. He's a great route runner. He helped out the 49ers this year. Uh, but I think anytime – you can become faster and more athletic uh, at, at any position in the NFL with a chance to be more explosive the way I think Justin Jefferson would make anybody. It could make a lot of sense. I have to agree with you there, Brian. Well, I appreciate you. How much more uh, draft prep? How many hours do you think you put in, Baldy? Uh, it's, it's hard to put a number on it. I mean, I enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I enjoy doing the breakdowns and kind of, you know, telling some people about some of these guys that they might not know too much about. Um, so I, I, I probably on the average, averaging eight hours a day since, you know, a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. So it's probably March 1st, I would say on the average, eight hours a day. Wow. So, you know, some days it's a lot longer. Um, some days uh, the weather's nice and I'm outside a little bit more uh, doing some other things. But uh, I'd say probably, you know, it's been an eight hour day. You know, right now it feels like it's um, a lot more than that. But uh, I'd probably say on average eight, something like that. What are you doing for fun these days? Well, I have a, I have a house in Fort Lauderdale. So, uh, you know, the weather has been like summer down there. So I've gone back and forth. I do have a film room down there, but, you know, they closed my pool down there. On the, nah. you know, I was swimming every Come day. On. I was enjoying it. They, <laughs> they took that, you know, they took that level of recreation away from me. They shut the beaches down. I understand all of it. But yeah. uh, when I was down there, that was, you know, it was, it was good to get outside. It was really good. I mean, the weather was great. And even if you're just walking along the beach, that was that was pretty, pretty uh, relaxing for quite a quite a good stretch. Well, Brian, we appreciate your time. Thank you for so much for joining us, uh, and look forward to what happens in the 2020 NFL draft. Likewise, Carolyn, take care of yourself. Uh, looks like you're in a pretty good spot there. Anybody uh, think enjoys being in the kitchen these days? So take care, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll talk pretty soon, Carolyn. Good to be with you. Thank All you. right, thank you so much. Bye bye. All right, thanks to Brian for joining us on the show today. The 2020 NFL Draft will air on ESPN, NFL Network, and ABC starting Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. If you'd like to file, follow Brian Baldinger, he is an NFL Network analyst. As I mentioned, you can follow him on Twitter at Baldy, B-A-L-D-Y. All right, let's go ahead and get into our interview with Matt Shapiro, Vice President of Event Strategy and Integration for the NFL. All right, today on the show, we have Matt Shapiro, the NFL's Vice President of Event Strategy and Integration, joining John DeShazer and I on the call via Zoom. First of all, Matt, how are you doing during uh, COVID-19? I'm doing great. Um, we, obviously, it's, a, it's an incredibly strange, unprecedented, difficult time, but trying to stay positive um, and, as we were talking about, keep some perspective with so many people out there on the front lines and hospitals and, and driving trucks around the country and stocking stores. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful and grateful that, that my family and I are healthy right now and just uh, able to focus on, on things like the draft. 
yeah, perspective is is definitely something important to keep for all of us right now. Now, uh, JD and I both work for both the Saints and Pelicans. So when this initially started, we saw the direct impact on the NBA working for the Pelicans. But working for the NFL, when did you kind of have an idea that this was going to come into play? Um, I mean, I think just as a as a person, obviously, just following the news, um, you know, late in, in January and then early February, just kind of following it, keeping an eye on it. But again, at that point, um, for me personally, in my role, it, it, it was less sort of um, professionally based and more just my own kind of following the news. Obviously, um, we had the combine and we, we, we finished the Super Bowl before that had the combine. At that point, it, it was not really something um, that was specifically um, kind of impacting anything. Obviously, again, all the medical professionals were keeping their eye on it, but it hadn't really um, reached here in a way that, that was impacting anything. Obviously, as we started um, planning in more in earnest for the draft in early March, um, as this news kind of started to, to become more prevalent here in the state, uh, it was certainly more on our radar at that point. And then, like with so many people, I think the news just came so fast and furious um, over those early days of March. Um, through kind of that, that March 11th date when, uh, when the NBA um, kind of suspended their season and there was some of those other flurry of news. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty wild to think that uh, it was essentially a month ago today, um, March 16th, where, where we moved um, to, to cancel the public events in Las Vegas. So uh, it has been kind of a, a rapid fire um, process since that time. Hey, Matt, what's it been like emotionally? Because I know a lot of people know someone, obviously, who's been who's been stricken with the virus. But you guys are in New York, uh, the the league office, and yeah. it really is. I don't want to say on the front steps, but it really seems forefront there. What has it been like personally for you? Um, yeah, thanks for asking. I mean, it's it's been an interesting balance. I can't say uh, obviously, and thankfully, it's not something that I've ever had to deal with before. It's not something my wife or two-year-old daughter I've ever had to deal with before. So um, it has definitely been a test of focus, a test of, um, you know, obviously doing all the, the right things that the medical professionals are advising while fighting a little bit of that um, cabin fever, while also trying to stay really focused on um, unexpectedly a, a, a very interestingly busy time with the draft and other things. Um, and again, do, doing all of that with the, with the very firm knowledge that I am, I'm incredibly lucky and fortunate that um, I still uh, am working and have this job um, that, that helps support my family and um, that I'm, I'm healthy. So it's been kind of a, like for everyone, everyone's handling it differently, uh, fascinating and, and, and complicated. I also, to your point, um, am here in, in Queens, New York, where uh, a lot of the stories are about how this is the epicenter of everything. Again, I feel very fortunate that my day-to-day -day, um, has not been hugely impacted other than obviously staying at home and doing all those things. But um, again, just grateful for, for others that are really out there on the front lines. Now, staying at home, what's that been like to prepare for a draft uh, with the structure that the league, that the league has to, to initiate and having to do it in this manner? What's, what's, what's the overall draft format going to look like or what is it looking like? Yeah, so, um, you know, clearly it's, it's unprecedented times, uh, and that really starts with the way that, that we're all working. Um, I think it has definitely um, put to the test all of our uh, IT abilities as, as individual employees. It has, I think, tested all of our um, kind of work-life balances to, to the extreme, because it, it's, it's, as you can imagine, people have different schedules, people have different um, situations at home, so um, it has, it has, really in some ways though really brought us together because everyone has been focused on this singular common task of how do we accomplish this sort of first ever 
virtual remote draft. Um, and, and when we made that decision a month ago, we said, all right, we've got five weeks to do this. Um, and, and we're now in week four and we're, we're a week away from the draft. So um, clearly for us, the most important focus is safety um, for everyone. So that was what kind of helped us to, to narrow the focus and, and ensure that this would be a virtual only draft. Um, and then another huge focus for us is comp competitive equity. Um, so the, the draft is obviously a, an all 32 club event, and it's one where we needed to make sure that there was there was equity across the board. So um, we've worked through a ton of, of um, different plans and scenarios, and now obviously have everything kind of right in in focus now with a week to go. You know, can you walk us through some of the intricacies that are going to be involved with the draft? Really, uh, how it entails the teams and the league and the prospects staying connected through technology through this process? Yeah, absolutely. So I think. You know, one of the one of the things about this where we're somewhat fortunate um, is that the draft, unlike a game, um, is something that can be done uh, virtually. Uh, it can be done safely. It can be done fully within government guidelines with the technology that exists today, um, while still celebrating prospects in their home, creating great moments, um, and ultimately. Um, bringing people together, creating something that can be unifying for uh, the country, for the world, um, while also taking our responsibility incredibly seriously of, of one, modeling the right behavior uh, and following all those guidelines, and two, doing some good. Uh, and we can talk more about it, but our draft-a-thon effort that will raise funds um, for some very worthy foundations and charities during this time. But in terms of the actual operation, uh, again, it has really become sort of a, a massive IT and, and, and broadcast lift with our partners at ESPN and NFL Network and ABC. Uh, as I said, uh, given technology that we have, we're able to do this in sort of a very virtual way. Uh, virtual way. So um, each club will be in their individual locations, uh, their GM, their head coach, their personnel department, everyone will be connected. Um, so our, our everyone, while everyone is physically separated, everyone will be virtually connected. Um, so the business of the draft will be able to continue through a number of different technologies, whether that's phone, internet, multiple platforms working. We have a lot of great partners like Microsoft, Verizon, AWS, others, making sure that everything works smoothly. And that's just sort of the business of the draft. However, more than just the business of the draft, we want to make sure that it's a, a great entertaining event as well. And that's where we'll really uh, lean on kind of this infrastructure we've created where we, we've sent these specialized kits uh, to 58 different prospects homes to, to create this sort of virtual green room. We will have cameras with uh, head coaches, GMs, owners, uh, again, to just create that sort of hub and spoke field. And then we're working closely with a lot of current players and legends and influencers and celebrities and others um, to make sure that their voices are heard during the draft, whether it's congratulating players for being selected um, or driving people to that draft-a-thon to donate. So Matt, along the lines of all of the wonderful things that the NFL is doing to create this experience as good as they can for uh, draftees and for teams and clubs, they're also doing a, a draft-a-thon to, to benefit charities um, who are affected from, from COVID-19. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think when we talk about um, what the draft can, can do uh, on Thursday night, it's, it's a couple things. One, it can certainly bring some optimism uh, to fans. It can certainly create a bit of a distraction from some of the, the tough news. But most importantly, it can actually do some good. Um, and we think the Draft-a-thon is the way to do that. It's going to pay tribute to healthcare workers and first responders in a variety of ways. Um, probably most importantly, raising funds uh, for the work being done to combat the virus and, and the impact of the virus. So fans and supporters will be able to donate directly through one central fund um, throughout the draft. Uh, and that'll all be in addition to all the work that, that 
clubs and players and, and owners have all contributed. That's been nearly $50 million already. So um, the Draftathon will support six national nonprofits, the American Red Cross, the CDD, CDC Foundation, Feeding America, Meals on Wheels, uh, the Salvation Army, and the United Way, obviously all incredibly um, deserving foundations and, and nonprofits. So um, I think this is what many of us are most excited about, being able to, to really do some good for this country uh, at a time where it really needs it. You know, are there elements of this that you foresee carrying forth into the future? I know, you know, this is kind of a step back into the past where, you know, the draft used to be where guys, you know, didn't have all the technology and yeah. they kind of handle the draft a different way. But do you see some of these advances taking place in the future? You mentioned the kits that you sent to some prospects. Do you see some of that stuff happening in the future, carrying over? That's a, it, it's a great question. And I think um, the short answer is yes, because I think that there, there's a lot of amazing technology that we've sort of been, um, because of the unique circumstance, forced to, to test out more, to learn more, to, to implement. So um, for example, th this year, there's 58 prospects, as I mentioned, usually there's there's 25 in that green room or, or you know up to 30, but does this now give us a chance potentially to reach more prospects uh, in the future in some form? Obviously, we all hope we're, we're back together in a physical way um, sooner rather than later. But yeah, I think that there could be uh, something there for sure. Um, I also think Ideally, you know, hopefully we will never again be in this exact situation. Um, but but we we all hope and, and know that given all the hard work, the draftathon is going to be an incredibly impactful uh, element. So perhaps there as well, there's there'll be ways to kind of bring that that through again in the future. Obviously, we we hope that it will not be related to this topic, but um, surely there there will still be causes out there that the NFL can support. And and, and my, my sense is some of the things we'll do tied to the draftathon whether it's leveraged on social or otherwise, uh, will, will be threads that can carry through. Do you have any idea how many, how much manpower, man hours, excuse me, went into this preparation? Because obviously it had to be done in a short amount of time, but I can't imagine the amount of man hours around the clock uh, working that had to be done to get this prepared. Yeah, I think it's hard to give you probably an exact number. I'll tell you this. I mean, every every three uh, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays in the afternoon, we have sort of a massive cross organizational call where everyone's chiming in, everyone's giving their updates. But every day, I'm, I'm sure literally every moment of every day, there is some call going on with with either our league staff or club staff talking about the draft and, and has become such an inspirational, incredible effort because everyone, it feels like, has really played a role here in their area. So um, I don't have a, a, a perfect sort of wrapped up number, but I would say it, it's almost like anything else, uh, unlike anything else I've ever seen. Because um, as I mentioned, one month ago, we were still talking about being in Las Vegas with potentially 600,000 fans. So it just shows you how quickly kind of the world has changed here. And uh, to pull this off, which I'm, I'm confident we will do, has certainly taken, um, you know, the weight of the full organization and the clubs, um, because obviously it's a, it's a massive team lift as well. You know, Matt, it's funny because before this interview, J.D. seemed to not have any questions, but every other second he was texting me, <laughs> I have one more question. So um, now, uh, so obviously this, everyone's sacrificing something during this time period, and we're grateful for uh, all those healthcare workers and things yeah. like that, but you can't help but think of the athletes during this time period, and you talked about, you know, the kits and involving legends and things like that, but for those athletes who aren't getting those kits, this is probably the biggest day of their life and they look forward to 17, 18 years of preparing for the NFL draft. Is there anything that the NFL is doing to maybe make that experience a little bit better for those athletes? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess I would start by saying even the the point about having 58 prospects who have that kit, that's probably more than double or ju just about double of what we would have usually had in Las Vegas. So certainly keenly aware of the of the disappointment that will come from not being able to walk across the stage in Las Vegas like has happened in years before. Um, but our team has done everything we possibly can to make this feel incredibly inclusive, um, whether it's sending welcome kits, whether it's, again, setting these IT sort of uh, mobile uh, camera setups, uh, doing interviews uh, live on, on TV or, or recorded. So I, I think I would, I would say, if anything, we, we've looked to broaden out the number, um, and, and we're really excited about that. So the NFL has struggled, not struggled, but has combated the at-home experience for a long time of wanting fans to come out to stadiums, come to games, uh, but also enjoy the at-home experience if, if that's what they choose to do. But now we're kind of forced to have this at-home experience. So during the season, say games continue, things like that, and we're doing it in stadiums that are empty, how do you kind of find the balance of creating, creating an experience where fans enjoy watching it at home but then once this is all over, getting fans back into stadiums. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think it's probably a little early um, to speculate on exactly how the season will look. Obviously, mm -hmm. everyone's working hard on, on making sure that we're ready to play a full season or play a season in whatever form that comes. Um, I would say, you know, looking back a little, and I know that's not your exact question, we've, we've done everything we can to make sure that there's no better place to watch a game than in the stadium. We've, we've done so much extensive work on um, you know, fan insights and research and peer-to-peer um, -peer reviews where someone from the Saints will go to someone from the Bills and someone from the Jaguars will go to someone from the Ravens and kind of give that feedback of here's something you did really well, here's something um, you can improve upon. So we're, we're constantly working to make the in-stadium experience the best way to watch the game. I think there have been a lot of innovations as it relates to the game presentation overall, making sure um, we're showing all the replays, making sure we're showing other games going on. So um, kind of coronavirus or not, uh, that will always be a massive focus for us. Obviously, remains to be seen uh, how the how the next you know five months play out. But I'm, I'm confident we'll be ready for whatever scenario uh, presents itself. Okay, Carolina, I, I lied, and Matt, this is <laughs> actually going to be my last question. Okay, I'm good. Keep keep it coming. A lot of these athletes, one of the highlights of, of the draft for them is the handshake with the commissioner. Mm -hmm. So, how much consideration was put into like? sending a cardboard cutout of the commissioner <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to these uh, guys' houses. <laughs> I'll You've just this. given I'll him say, a new idea, J.D. No, no, I'll say, I'll, I'll say stay tuned. Um, we've, we've got still a week to, to put the, the finishing touches on that. 20% of our, of our time still remains to try to get this thing done well. So I would say um, we're, we're thinking a lot about it. We're thinking a lot about how do you replicate uh, the handshake, how do you replicate those incredible hug moments where the guy jumps up and, you know, knocks the commissioner down or <laughs> the bear hugs, the, the unique celebrations. Um, you know, I think we're working as hard as we can to bring as many of those special touches there. Obviously, um, it will it will not be uh, perfectly replicated, but I'm actually I'm confident that we can actually do some uh, special things. And, and JD, to your question earlier of things that could carry through. Uh, who knows, maybe in the future, some of those guys who are not there um, could still have their opportunity to interact with the commissioner in some form based on what we learned this year. Matt, I have no idea if you have any knowledge about this, but the, the rebirth game for the Saints aired 
I want to say two weeks ago, I'm losing track of time on right. Monday Night Football on ESPN. And obviously, it was a huge experience for Saints fans. A, a ton of people tuned in and a huge credit goes to the Saints organization for, for kind of bringing everyone together during that time. But what have the, what has the NFL office seen from these replays and fan bases and people tuning into those games uh, that have already been played? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I to, your, to your point, I'm, I'm not an expert on kind of the <laughs> that or, or our entire media strategy. I would say, um, as a fan myself, um, and talking to my friends, being able to turn on NFL Network or NBC Sports Network or even the Red Zone, which I turned on last night and was kind of, we were at, you know, 2 p.m. on a Sunday in week eight. I thought that was really great, right? Because people are, are yearning for that. People are, are hungry for sports and they're hungry for the NFL. And, um, you know, I think that's what's really exciting about the draft next week. Again, to be able to do it in a in a safe way, in a way that's um, in keeping with all those guidelines, but be able to bring people some some uh, hope and optimism as it relates to sports. But again, knowing the broader picture and doing it in an appropriate way, um, where we can also do some good. I, I'm I'm incredibly excited about next week, and I think a lot of people will will be as well. All right, Matt. Well, we appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and good luck uh, with all your draft coverage and prep that you've been able to do over the last month. Uh, hope it all comes to fruition and ends up uh, as good as we think it will be. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time. Thanks to Matt and Brian for joining us on the show today. We'll have another episode for you tomorrow, a round table on the draft with a few Saints beat writers. And then on Thursday, JD and I will have a pre-draft show that you will not want to miss with a special guest. And I'll let you find out who that is. All right. Thanks for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Tune in tomorrow.